The music is provided by Calvary Quartet. You can have more of their music at calvaryquartet.com or log on to our website at gospelbaptistchurch.com. I can still recall the day when Jesus saved my soul, when his blessed Holy Spirit came and took control. I trusted in his precious blood, my sin to atone, and I started singing. Take your Bibles, if you would, the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 3, chapter 3. And I've never preached on this passage. I went and looked back through my notes. If you've got something written down in your Bible that I did, uh, it, you put the wrong guy down. Hope it was good. But Revelation chapter 3, 1 through 6. I, I was stunned, actually, that I had not preached on the church of Sardis. I think I preached on every one of the other churches but I had never preached on the church of Sardis. Can all of you hear me okay? Everything look good, sound good, not fuzzy? I always love it at the end of a message. Somebody come up to me and say, you know you were fuzzy the whole time. Do not say that at the end. Always say it at the beginning. If you can't hear me, something going on, my battery's going weak. Sometimes batteries go weak on these things, and they'll be fuzzy. And if that's true, then, brother, you just you get out of your seat, come on up here, and, and we'll, we'll, get, we'll fix it. We will fix it. I want you to hear. And if you have hearing trouble, we got a great system. of a, uh, we got a local uh, radio broadcast that picks up only one channel, and we, we, it goes to these headsets, and, man, you can hear. Oh, it's just, it's, you can relax. You can sit back and relax and hear because it's easy to hear anything coming through this mic or the wireless mic. I mean that. It may mess your hair up, but get over it. All right. Revelation chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. The title is... Thou hast a few names, be one of them. Thou hast a few names, be one of them. And under the angel of the church of Sardis, that's the pastor of the church that God that Christ holds in his right hand. I, I, it's, it's almost a scary, at the same time, a high honor to believe that God, I'm your pastor here, that God has me in his, that Jesus Christ has me in his right hand. Wow, I love that position. I, I, I mean, it, I just love the fact that Jesus got me in his right hand. Especially put me here. I didn't even want to be here. I came here against my will. But God said he wanted me to be here, so here I am. And wow, what a privilege it is to be a pastor, knowing that Christ indeed has you in his right hand. Of course, the devil knows that too, right? That's right. The angel of the church at Sardis write, These things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. And know thy works, and thou hast a name, that thou livest and art dead. Be watchful. And that I, you may, if you're numbering in your Bible, you want to put one by watchful. And strengthen, you want to put a two there. The things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found thy works perfect before God. Remember, you want to put a three there. Therefore, how thou hast received and heard, and hold fast, you may want to put a four there, and repent, and you may want to put a five on the word repent. 
If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. Thou hast a few names, this is the text verse, thou hast a few names, even in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. And he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. I believe it is on prayer meeting night. I'm going over the seven overcomers of the book of Revelation, chapter 2 and 3, the seven churches, the seven overcomers. And I'm not really going to spend any time on verse 5 and 6 today, but I am going to spend some time on verse 1 through 4. If you come Wednesday, then you can hear the other, because Sardis happens to also be where I'm at on the overcomer uh, teaching on Wednesday night. He says, I know thy works. I know thy works. It appears seven times each in for each church one time. So for each of those, lo- there were a local circle of churches well, you know, they're divided by sometimes 100 miles, 120 miles, 80 miles. Uh, you know, and but Paul, boy, he must have been in good shape. Uh, those, those, because they would walk from church to church. I know the last time you walked 80 miles, amen? And, uh, I mean, he, he, they would walk these distances, and they would go to these churches. And, and, and John, the last uh, of, of the 12 apostles to die, at least historically we know, and he, he would walk them himself and eventually uh, was moved to the Holy Spirit on the Isle of Patmos to write this book. And he writes a letter from Jesus Christ to the pastors, the heads of the churches at those seven cities. And we call them the seven churches of Revelation. And they were seven real churches that were alive at that time. And the people were in them, people saved. And they each have a personality of their own. So what you can learn from the seven churches is every church has a personality. There's no two churches exactly the same. Why? Because there's no two pastors exactly the same, and often a church will take on somewhat of the personality of its pastor. And that's why Gospel Baptist is relatively a crazy church. But he says seven times, I know thy works. I don't know what that does to you, but it does something to me. He says, I know thy works. It appears for each one of the seven churches, and I think we need to get this and get this good right at the get-go. What you are doing in your life is being recorded. Every idle word that you speak, I believe biblically, will be rehearsed to you in front of a whole host of of angels and myriads of people. Uh, you say, well, I don't know about that. Well, take your Bibles to Matthew chapter 12, verse 36, 37. One place, it says that Jesus said, Matthew chapter 12, 36, 37, Jesus said, but I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. Now, what is that? what does that sound like? Sounds like responsibility to me, Amen. And with responsibility always comes accountability. You better get it real good. You are being held responsible. I don't want to be. Don't make any difference. God says you're going to be held responsible for every idle word that you speak. And those things will be eventually given an account of. 
he, his experience wild. But by thy words, for by thy words, in verse 37 there, thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Both of us. Uh, the words under the blood of Christ, praise the Lord. I don't know if we're going to be a given account of those words being under the blood of Christ. I hope not. But even that may be a time that, that could be under some way that God does it. That's up to him. He doesn't explain it anymore than that. But you can fool people around you. You can. But the con game will come to an end someday. You will not be able to fool God. That's why you might as well just decide right now to be real, to be truthful, to be honest, and to be transparent. And be what you are. Do not play a game. Do not run a con. Because if you do, someday you will have to face your words and your deceptions and your lies, and it will be a horrible fate. And it will be an embarrassing fate. You don't want to do it. So one lesson we get out of this is Jesus knows your works. And he knows the reality of your works. So just be real. Decide to be down to the very core of your soul, honest. Decide to be the very core of your soul, transparent, not deceptive. Not no, running no subterfuges, no games. But you are, you know, you've heard people say what you see is what you get. Now, you can use that also to be carnal, and you can use that to be mean. That's no good either. People say, well, I always speak my mind. Well, the Bible says a fool speaks all these minds. There's sometimes when you're around people, it's best just not to say what you're thinking. Amen? I mean, the Bible says, encourages us to be uh, quiet. It says be, be slow to anger, quick to listen, right? Slow to speak. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 11, it says, I learned to be quiet, mind your own business, work with your hands. I preach a sermon called Shut Up, Work With Your Hands, and Mind Your Own Business. A little bit more rude than the Bible, I suppose, but it got through. 1 Thessalonians 4.11. In verse 2 here, it says in Revelation 3, we're back to Revelation 3 now. He says, be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that ready to die. I have not found thy works perfect before God. You say, well, Brother Bill, I know my works aren't perfect. The word perfect there means completed, whole. God has a mission for every one of his children. Have you completed it? Well, I don't know what my mission is. Man, first thing you ought to do is find out what God's mission is for you in life. It's your responsibility to find out God's calling, God's mission, and do the work at your hands, and God will reveal it as, he go, as you go along. But in your life, you want to fulfill God's mission for you. Every one of you, not just a preacher, not just, not just Pastor Moon, but every one of us has a mission that God wants us to do. And have you found it? And are you doing it? Man, we need to be. Be watchful and strengthen those things so that we can have a work that's completed before God. Your spiritual future. This verse teaches me that our spiritual future is that we personally are responsible for our spiritual future. Um, the understood pronoun here in this verse is you. Not some uncontrolled sovereign hand that is making the decisions for you, but you, it is this sovereign hand, which I believe God is sovereign, and he is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present, and, and immutable, and so many other things. Uh, he, his, that sovereign hand of God is telling you and me to make the decision, to drive a state. In other words, God in his sovereignty literally protects your free will. 
He is, as a, only a sovereign God could give a creature free will and not have it spin out of control. But because of his foreknowledge, he knows the beginning and the end. Even with our free will, he understands where it's going. And he is reacting to it. But he holds you and I all over the New Testament personally responsible for our actions. And if you're responsible, then you are accountable also. Christ is calling uh, you and me to repentance, to make decisions. Look in verse 3. Remember, therefore, how thou hast received and heard, and hold fast and repent. If therefore you shall not watch, I will come unto thee as a thief. Thou shalt not know what hour I come unto thee. There's nothing wrong with going back and looking at your life. Remember how thou hast received. Look at it. I, some people call it reading your biography. Go back and read your life. Go back and say, God, did I do the right thing here? Am I doing the right thing? Go back and remember. Ponder over your life. Is this where God wants me to be? Is this where God wants me to be doing? Where he, has he, am I in the will of God? Am I doing the will of God? Am I where God would have me to be? That's where I want to be. I want to be every day there. Remembering what you had in Christ at one time will help you keep what you have in Christ today. You get that? In other words, by remembering, uh, I remember the zeal I had as a new married person. Amen? I remember the zeal I had as a new married person. And being around these young marrieds reminds me of the way I used to be so that I can be like that more. Because, by the way, I shouldn't have left some of those things. But because I got used to her and, and, and you know, uh, took her for granted and all the women said. Didn't, didn't appreciate her, didn't tell her that she looked good, didn't tell her I loved, didn't tell. And that very likely, I, you, and so you go back, you remember. And, and does that not happen in your Christian experience? You started out, you got saved, you were zeal, you would tell anybody about Jesus. You didn't care what they thought. Hey, you know, I got saved. Hey, you know, I got saved. Brother Corey, he's, he's out on, he's right on that right now. And I couldn't, he's at work. He's at some old heathen restaurant telling them about Jesus and, and tell them when they come to him and, and they ask him about it. And he's willing to be, and people are getting saved. People responding. And you know, every one of us, us old timers need to be like that. You don't get too old to be a zealous witness for Christ. We got to go back and remember. Right now, uh, I see I see old Dr. Crab. How long have you been married, brother? Fifty-seven years. Still hold hands with his girl. Glory to God. I still see Tom. How long have you been married, Tom? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Guy can do surgery. Cannot remember how long I've been married. But <laughs> that's okay, Tom. It's all right, brother. It's all right. Oh, remember. Remember, sitting in the front row, though, is dangerous inherently. You understand that when I pick on you folks. But uh, remember, remember the freedom of your first salvation, your lightness of your walk. Remember the joy of the purity, the zeal for his name. And, and by the way, get it back if you've lost it. Get it back. Remember how thou received and heard. Hold fast. And repent. Now, the understood pronoun is you hold fast and repent. Don't blame the preacher if you backslide. 
Don't, don't blame your Sunday school teacher if you backslide. Don't, don't blame your, your parents. Don't blame your wife. Don't blame your husband. Don't blame, because ultimately, when you stand for Jesus, those people are not going to be mentioned. It's going to be you. You. Oh, you had bad influences, okay, but Jesus will help you overcome. Oh, I had people try to drag me down, but you have Jesus, and he'll help you overcome. That's what he's saying to this church here. Remember it. The penalty for taking God's opportunity for granted is losing it. Look what he says. If therefore thou shalt not watch. That means there's actually Christians who get lazy, who get careless, who get out of focus, who what we call backslide. They had it at one time. They were on it at one time. They were excited about it at one time. They were all go for it. And it got, they got used to it. They got around it. The terminology became common. It got to be oh, same old, same old. And they, they began to just get loose about it. And it can happen not just in Christianity. This can happen in, in your marriage. This can happen in friendship. This can happen in, a, in an employment, in a job. And you can forget the beauty of what it is. Boy, I don't want to be one of those that has to lose something before they know they had it. I don't want to be the kind of person that has to lose it and go, Oh, no, man! And I don't want to suffer that grief. And by the way, God doesn't want you to either. He doesn't want you to. You don't have to. He says, if you'll not watch, I'll come on you as a thief. You're not going to be able to figure it out. You're not going to be able to see where it's coming from. I'm going to blindside you, and you'll not know what hour, what moment I come to to call uh, in the dead, as it were, and to judge you. Don't lose your opportunity for Christ. And then verse 4. This is the text. Thou hast a few names in Sardis which have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. When I was looking through this passage, it hit me. It hit me. It hit me. It said, Thou hast a few names. And I said, I stopped right as I read that, and I said, Oh, Lord Jesus, if I was a member of the church at Sardis, and you said as an accusation, Thou hast a few names. By the way, the name for Sardis means remnant. This little little remnant left, a little life left. He said, there's a few names that are at Sardis. You know what the first thing that happens to me when I see, when I see that? I said, Lord Jesus, I want to be one of those few. I've said for years, everybody around me may go to hell, but I don't want to go to hell. People may backslide and go back and, and, and leave the things of God and go liberal and do everything else. Lord, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I believe God will honor that. He says it right here. Thou hast a few names. I want to be one of them. Do you this morning want to be one of the few? The proud? The born again? The living for Jesus? I was going to, was going to say the Marines, didn't you? They stole that from the Bible. Few? The few? My, my wife's always said, Oh, Bill, uh, she, she don't call me pastor. Bill, you know there's only a few. I said, oh, Kathy. Oh, Kathy. You're hurting me. She said, Bill, there's only going to be a few. She said, Jesus' words. Few be there that find it. Narrow is the way, straight is the gate. Few be there that find it. 
You know when I you know what I feel like when I read that verse? Poor Jesus. May I be one of those few. May I be one of those few. Do I have to fall? Do I have to go back into sin? Do I have to get cold? Do I have to backslide? The answer is no. You don't have to. And Jesus is there for you to help you to be an overcomer. To go through your life by the grace of God and end victoriously. Not in defeat. Early on in my Christian life, I saw the serious, serious catastrophic failures in Christian lives. I saw their marriages fail. I saw infidelity. I saw betrayal. I saw sins of every kind. I saw deep, lasting damage that Christians did. I begged God over and over that He would help me not be one of those, and I could be one of the few, as if in the church at Sardis. Let me give you four ways, because I'd be amiss if I didn't give you some specifics on how to be an overcomer. Number one, number one, how to be an overcomer is decide with all your being, your innermost being, to be an overcomer. To be one of the few names in Sardis that have not defiled their garments. By the way, the garments in the Bible represent our works for Christ. If you go to Revelation chapter 19, verse 8, he says that he arrays them in fine linen, white and clean. And the, 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 gar- the, the linen, the, the clothing, I'm, I'm paraphrasing now, is the righteous acts of the saints, if it's literally translated. The righteousnesses, righteousnesses, the righteous acts of the saints. God is going to clothe you on what you send ahead. That's what it means. God's going to clothe you. Christ's going to clothe you on what you send ahead. What you send ahead in works for Him, He's going to clothe you in those. Those are going to be your righteous acts made into garments, pure and white. And by the way, the word white there doesn't just mean white. It means brilliant. It means like... Remember the transfiguration when Jesus changed his form and visage and he actually shone that he actually shone like a light, like a bright light. White. That's the kind of white he's talking about. Woo! Glory to God. First of all, you've got to decide. You've got to decide with your innermost being. This can't be a casual decision. This can't be a one-time decision. This can't be a once-a-month decision. This has got to be every day you get up. Today, I want to be what Jesus wants me to be. Then tomorrow, tomorrow I get up, and tomorrow then becomes today. So actually, you never are in tomorrow. You're always in today, right? You're never in the past, right? You're never in tomorrow. You're always in the now. And that's why the Bible always talks about that today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. Isn't it? Because it knows you're never going to be in tomorrow, and you can't go back to yesterday. You always are in the moment. So that's why it's always talking in the present. Today is the accepted time. Now is it me. You say, while you're hearing me, while you're hearing me, yeah. While you're hearing gospel, yeah. While you came to church today, yeah. Decide, drive a stake down today by the grace of God. I want to be one of those few names in Sardis to walk with him in white. I want to be one of those few names that will not defile myself with the sins and filth of this world. Drive a stake into your psyche daily. And secondly, prepare to be part of the few names. You've got to prepare. 
That is, how do I prepare? Number one, shore up your weak areas. Every one of us has certain weak areas. I have weak areas. Uh, one of my weak areas is, is uh, uh, the area of lust. I, from a young man, was lusty. And so I know that I know myself well enough to know i got to keep myself away from looking on those things that make me want to lust. Duh. I don't take deep theology, right? So I don't go places where there's a lot of the stuff that wants to make me lust. I try to stay away from the areas that will cause me to lust. Does that make sense? Are you kidding? That makes a horse sense, which is just stable thinking. That's for the vets. Stay out of the things that you're weak in. Get some help from your close friends. Hide the word in your heart, like David said, that I might not sin against thee. Read the Bible, man. Soak yourself in the word of God, which will keep you from those sins and make you aware of them. Read books, biographies on people who have been part of the few names that made it through the, the, the barrage of resistance that a born-again Christian reach, uh, uh, receives by, by walking through this world. Be, be part of the, man, I've read D.L. Moody's biography, two, three different writers. I've read C.H. Spurgeon's biography, two, three different writers. I've read Hudson Taylor's biography. I've read William Carey's biography. I've read Adam Justin's biography. I've read Mel Trotter's biography. I've read Gypsy Smith's biography. And on and on and on, anything I can get a hold of it. Buddy, if I can find a winner for Jesus, I want to know how he did it and how God walked him through the path and how he made it to the end. Why? Because I want to be one of the few names. Thirdly, plan. Plan to be part of the few names. Don't plan on failure. Plan on success. Find successes in Christ. Imitate them. Study them. Make a plan of your whole life. You've heard me say this over and over and over again. i got to say it again. Attend where the preaching of the Bible occurs. Put yourself under the preaching of the Word of God. Put yourself under the local church. Give your time, talent, and treasure to God. Be wise and win souls. Hang around winners. Avoid those who have defiled their garments. They're out of God's will. Let me just tell you, a loser will pull you down. Now, a loser can become a winner if they repent, like he says here. But if they don't repent, they're going to drag you down. They're going to naysay you. They're going to scorn you. And they're going to pull you away from the things of God and make you a loser like them. And brother, you can't hang around those folks. That's why the Bible says flee from the appearance of evil. I'm not going to hang around them. I'm not going to hang around people that aren't where they ought to be. Now, I'm going to go out into the world, and I'm going to tell them about Jesus in every way possible. I'm going to, and I'm kind to them, sweet to them. But I am not in my inner fellowship time. My fellowship time is not going to be with them. we got to avoid having our garments defiled like they have. And fourthly, pray. Pray. Pray for wisdom. Pray for understanding. Pray for knowledge. Seek God's face. Walk and talk with Him. If anything hinders you, if something hinders you, you're in a walk for Christ, get rid of it. 
Get rid of it. If it's the TV, get rid of it. If it's the movies, get rid of it. If it's the tape, cable, get rid of it. If it's HBO, get rid of it. If it's if it's uh, your your iPhone, if it's your Android, get rid of it. If your iPhone, eh. let me tell you, if I, I don't have my iPhone, I leave it in the truck. That's so you can't call me during the service, as some of my in-laws tried to do. But, uh, uh, you know, uh, embarrass me in front of all you folks. But I'm going to tell you what, if that iPhone of mine, if I found myself looking at pornography on that iPhone, I would not have a phone. I'd have a flip phone. What I call a dumb phone. I'd have, I'm, I'm sorry, brother. But I'd have a flip phone. I'd have a phone you couldn't get pictures over. I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, hey, listen, if that computer of mine Leads me down the primrose path. I'm getting rid of it. I'm going to go to somebody else and have them do computer work for me. I'm not going to have something that's going to continually pull me down. Because I want to be part of those few names that are in Sardis that have not defiled their garments. They shall walk with me in white. Oh, you girls are so weak here. You like to walk. You know... I have had a lot of, of uh, young couples come to me and want to get married. And my first advice is have a very, very, very small, humble wedding. Just moms and dads, no best men, no best women, and just do a real quick, you know, 30-minute wedding. Take the money that dad would have had to spend on the wedding, 10000 bucks, and take a six-week honeymoon, six months after you've been married. Now, you know that is good advice. But no. Nobody ever follows that. No, the girl goes, I've been waiting my whole life so that I can get in white, big, white, fluffy, expensive dress. And I can put over makeup. I can over makeup and I can get my hair done. And I can walk down that Dun, 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 dun. They, they do some sort of little footwork. I don't know what it is. But I tell you what, that's that girl's moment of glory. I'm not a girl. I have no idea why they want to do it. All I can tell you is that more than not, they do. And I got a feeling when you go to heaven and you go to the wardrobe department that you're going to want something that looks good and something that will glorify the Savior who died on Calvary for you. It won't be pride like the devil has. It'll be pride like the carpenter has when they've made something that helps people. And Jesus is going to give you, he's going to, from what you send forward, if you'll not defile your garments here, if you'll give your life to Christ, if you'll make a plan and do it, man, oh man, if you'll decide, if you'll prepare, if you'll plan, if you'll pray, and you'll stick with it, by the grace of God, you'll end well, and you will find that someday he'll usher you into a room of some sort, and angels, I don't know how it's going to all work, but they're going to clothe you with white you're going to represent your works for Christ. 
What a day that'll be. What a day that'll be. Did you, have you read in the New Testament the warning about walking naked? Have you read the warning? Southern, God bless you. I deserve that. I deserve that. When you mess with Southern, you get it. I'm talking to a lot of you young people here today. 15, 14, 13-year-olds. The devil has dreams for you. One dream he's got is he wants to destroy God's dream for you. Because Jesus Christ has a dream for you. Oh, he's got a dream. It's good. And he wants to shower upon you those good things. If you will let it happen. Will you? I hope so. I hope so. I hope you're not one of those who has to lose it before you find out you could have had it. Father, we pray that the Spirit of God may go forth. Take these few words this morning out of a very straightforward, simple passage to the church at Sardis. That, Father, these dear people, these few people at Sardis, who in the midst of all kinds of hypocrisy, stood for Jesus and did right where nobody could see and were honest of spirit and true of heart to Jesus Christ. May we in this room, may you call out those same folks today. And may they be prepared and do that which is pleasing and drive some stakes down And make some common sense moves to move away from those things which are trying to destroy their garments and defile their garments. And may they, they, every day they get up from here to the time you call them home, make that a priority. Father, make it so. If there's one here without Christ as their Savior that never asked Jesus to save them, They don't know if they died where they'd spend eternity, really not sure of it. They can be 100% sure if they'll come forward at a time of invitation, we take them in the back room, one-to-one, kindly, compassionately, show them what was showing us in the Bible, how that you can be saved and have your sins washed away and forgiven. Father, help them. In Jesus' name, amen. All the praise belongs to Him.